Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Deal or No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino back with an amazing race recap for episode six of season 35 of The Amazing Race. And look at me, I'm racing around North America here, coming to you from uh, the site of where we're doing live shows this week in Brea, California. I have not been U-turned, but if I was, there's nobody else that I'd rather be uh, U-turned with than my co-host here today. First, our chief Amazing Race correspondent, Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. I am looking forward to being the refreshing cold bottle of water. Oh. On the, Bring us you back know, wilting, overheated. Yes. Please. Magical elixir. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then uh, back with us, a person who looks like uh, Phil Kogan's passport. Here he is. It's Mike Bloom. Yeah, I'm just happy that no one came with the big red X's to put over my face like I'm part of America's Got Talent. Uh, Rob, look at you invoking straight out of the Amazing Race Family Edition by traveling around the country. How do you think the Cesarino family of four would do in the Amazing Race Family family Edition? It'd be rough. (laughs) That would not be ideal. Do not think so. Yeah, I mean, we'd be good TV. We bring the drama for sure. You know, could my wife end up on House of Villains after? Yes, I think so. <laughs> Very little amazing race representation on House of Villains so far. Maybe season Ooh. two. Oh no, please. Like mm. get Jonathan Baker away from any reality TV what show. I was, I was gonna say yeah. when you are a villain on the amazing race, you go hard. <laughs> but I don't think that necessarily translates to you should be called back to television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, well no, I mean that, that was gonna say a Johnny Fairplay, a House of Villain member himself, did have some you know, adjacent interactions with Jonathan Baker. He was one of the people that egged him on to get in a shoving fight with Joe Rogan. <laughs> yep. Um, look, there was a time and a place uh, of 20 years ago in reality TV. And one day the Netflix documentary is going to be a banger. But that is not what we're here to talk gonna about. And Mike's going to host yes. it. Oh, I would love that so much. <laughs> Please, let's manifest it. Let's go fund me this. Like, I'm, I'm going to put up the Kickstarter now. We need to get Mike on the job of putting together this documentary. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about this uh, U-turn episode of The Amazing Race. We were waiting for this all season long. Just did it live up to any of the hype? <laughs> no. No, there's a few reasons. I mean, you're going to get me on my U-turn soapbox again. I have a lot of capital O opinions about how the U-turn needs to be handled. This was, I think it was interesting in terms of how you usually approach how to do a U-turn. You can tell these people have studied up what is a capital time to U-turn someone and who should you U-turn and when, but that doesn't translate to this blind vote. Mm -hmm for a variety of reasons. And I thought it was interesting the reasoning that people went through as they were deciding who to U-turn. It was interesting to me that there were only two teams that got any votes at all. Yeah. yeah. Which this points to when you have this kind of thing and it's different from your usual U-turn, it's like you have to think about not just who would I personally want to U-turn, but who 
are other people likely to U-turn? And you can see this line of thinking present in everybody's decision because they assumed it was either going to be the team that is a front runner or the team that people do not like on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And it was was also interesting. Yeah, it was interesting to me to see like who went for which. Yeah, right. But one of the choices was much more incorrect than the other, in my opinion. And that choice ended up winning out. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's true. Well, Mike, uh, when uh, Jess and I spoke with Joe and Ian last week, we'd asked them, yes. like, hey, if you had gotten to the U- U-turn board, who were you planning to U-turn? They, too, were going to put a U-turn on Steve and Annalee. So here's the thing. I get it as just like a concept. We've seen this as well. Again, I go back to Seth and Olive from season 29 of like, if there is a front runner team and you have the ability to try to take them out, go ahead take that shot. The issue though is like, maybe don't do that if it's happening at the beginning of a leg where they are already starting in first place. And I guess, you know, Corey ends up using this kind of like weak sauce argument later of like, well, we wanted to erase the hour and a half lead you had ahead of us. Dude, you're about to go fly to another country. That lead is going to be vaporized. Anyway, like the idea that you want to go headhunting makes sense. Again, The Amazing Race is not a social strategy game, so when you have the opportunity to take aim at a team that could be a big threat, usually in a show where people are racing independently, I understand the logic behind it, but you can't do this expecting to eliminate Steven Annalee. You know, you, 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 I think the preferable move by far was Robin and Chelsea because not only are they not getting along, not only do they have some race medal, they won the, the leg two legs ago, but they are also in a position far enough in the back that you can actually get rid of them here. Counterpoint. When you are using a democratic U-turn like this, you can't expect to eliminate anybody. Mm. This is a shot across the bow. This is not something you can deploy tactically because you don't have enough information to begin with. So it's more of a, this is kind of a nothing burger Mm -hmm. of a Amazing Race twist. It is basically trying to make people a little bit, you know, they're trying to identify who the threats are and kind of start some beef, which we saw some beef happening. Yeah which was, you know, it was entertaining enough. I don't know. This is not the show for it. Yeah. But I don't think this U-turn, you yourself can't affect that change on your own. So there's mm. no strategy to it. It's more about the behavior of how other people are but going was to there be. an opportunity for that to happen with these racers, Jess, in the way that Phil told them all, and many of them on the mat with each other, that this was going to be coming in this leg of the race? Could somebody have taken the bull by the horns a little bit and affected the outcome? I mean, Joe and Ian attempted to. (laughs) Let's put a let's put this on our list of questions. We want to ask the eliminated team tomorrow, because I would be curious to know how much they are sequestered Mm -hmm. after they get to the bat, because are they given that opportunity? They don't. We obviously we know they don't eat, sleep and mingle anymore. Mm -hmm. But how Mm -hmm. much does the race police how much they talk to each other? I mean, the fact that Joe and Ian got to talk to the other teams at all is really interesting to me. Um, Liam and Jeremy, they were one of the four votes for Robin and Chelsea. So don't blame them. I mean, had one other team, you turned Robin and Chelsea, then maybe Liam and Jeremy would still be in the race. And that's the fun thing as well, right? Joe and Ian told Morgan and Lena and Liam and Jeremy, who were on the mat at the same time as them, go vote for Stephen and Ali. Neither team did. So (laughs) I don't know if it was just like their own saying, screw you, you can't tell us what to do, or them having a different logic behind it all. Uh, But to Jess's point, you know, it was more of a narrative twist than an actual game twist, I think, in this particular instance. I mean, something else that is interesting is, do we think this is the only U-turn of the season? We sometimes see this pop back up around like final five, uh, and that's coming up obviously in like a month from now. Do you think they would use this as an opportunity for like Stephen Anna Lee to be able to get that revenge, to have that storyline pay off? Or do we think, okay, it's about halfway through the race, we're one and done here? I think we'll get another one. I think we might see it at six or five. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll be a vote again. I think it'll be straight up U-turn, might be a blind U-turn, might be a double blind U-turn. I don't know. I, I also, I have a lot of issue with the fact, again, this is, maybe I'm the last person on earth that still has a problem with this. U-turn goes after the detour. U-turn does not go before the detour. And this didn't make any sense to me. Like this is, 
you should not know that you have been U-turned until after you have completed one of the detour options, because it is not a U-turn at that point. You are not going in a U, you're going in a T. <laughs> and T-turn. T-turn. Yeah, not as good. time But this gives, you know, it gives Steve and Annalie a chance to kind of budget their energy mm-hmm. and to think about which one do I do first? You know, we'll do the one that seems a little bit less physically taxing first and, you know, not burn ourselves out. Like, what if they had not known they were U-turned or they had to suspect they might be Mm U-turned. And then they had to decide accordingly, should we do the easier one and gamble that we might not be U-turned and jump ahead? Or should we do the harder one first and assume like we will have enough in the tank in case we do get U-turned? There's a lot there that could have been interesting. And I Mm. see why they didn't do it in this instance, because it would have involved setting up another clue box. And I think they're just trying to minimize the number of locations they need for clue boxes. <laughs> yeah. And they don't want you to go all the way across town and find out you get U-turn and you got to go all the way back. Yeah. yeah, not to mention uh, they were having enough problem with these rickshaw drivers. There's also like yeah. a little bit of Samantha's semantics anyway with this detour of like, well, technically you only finish the task if you give the receipts back, even oh though that means God. that you get the clue. I have questions about yeah. that as well. Yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, could we talk a little bit about that? Because that to me, this was like some co- kind of like, bureaucratic snafu that I didn't even understand uh, what this was. Is this a actual part of every Amazing Race task or is this something that was similar only to this specific task of dropping off the flowers? This is a thing that happens with every task. Okay, you know, you open your clue, you get your detour thing, there are instructions. Then there's another sheet of paper they'd never show on screen with further instructions. Mm. And that that is usually pretty clear about here are the steps you have to complete in order to have completed the task. And the last thing on that list is always receive your clue. And I think Steve and Annalie at that point thought, well, we have to do them both. We only need one clue. We don't need right. to go get the clue from the guy. And we've seen a lot of instances in Amazing Race history where a team has not picked up their clue or they've skipped a clue and yep. they have to go back and mm-hmm. you have to have all the clues at the end. But this was a receipt. And this was like that uh, part of the task was to get yeah. to get a receipt. To give the receipt so, so, so back that, to the guy. Yeah, so that that's, where, that's the where the discrepancy came in. Is I think the misunderstanding was that they thought, okay, we have to give in the receipts to get a clue. We don't need a clue right now. We have to go over to the other detour. And so I think they misunderstood what finishing the task mm-hmm. meant versus actually getting the clue. And I think in this case, and this has been the case for basically all delivery tasks across the amazing race is like, okay, here's your final step. Cause then there's also drama with like, oh my God, we didn't get run of the receipts. We saw this with Joe and Ian on the floating market as well, that you can right. fudge your way past it. But usually that results in a penalty that I think they had read the instructions to mean, okay, since we don't need a clue right now because we already have to do another side of the detour, we don't need to do that. Only for this poor guy to just walk over to them and like, excuse me, sorry, um, you actually didn't complete the other side of the detour. And it turns out that that side wasn't finished until the receipts were delivered, clue or not. Yeah, P.S., put the, put the U-turn board after the detour and you eliminate all of this because they would have already yep. gotten wow. their clue. Okay. That's very, very fair. Yeah. Okay. I also, speaking of the U-turn board, I was very impressed with the engineering and carpentry that went into this (laughs) U-turn board. Like, I thought this was a very cool mechanism. I mean, a little bit like a a, uh, Mike, you might have this for Asher, but I just I like that you put your tiles in and then you open it and it's already like they're in there. You can can just count them. It's all about Connect 5, right? (laughs) And that's interesting as well. I will give production kudos for making this vote happen at the final nine. Now, there is a chance it could be three 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 but i feel like things as we saw in the vote wouldn't be that terribly scattered that there was bound to pretty much not be a tie except for that one instance and so it became super close from that and i do think a lot of the fun of this episode came from you know despite the fact that teams didn't really interact with each other for the first half of the episode the second half of the episode was a lot of fun with Annalie just sitting there and everyone coming to her being like, oh, yeah, sorry, I did it for this reason. And then you see, you know, the discrepancies between Joel and Garrett, who are just like straight up cards up like, yeah, we did this. And now we're going to have to deal with it to Andrea Malena just denying, denying, denying. I think that was 
a very fun conceit to it. And I, I joined this episode overall. Yeah. Like this was something we've been talking about in terms of race structure. We got like a couple of tasks that were not detours or roadblocks. That's what we want in structure. Mm-hmm. Jess, I was watching along and uh, was wondering what is the right call if you are a person who did in this situation uh, on this U-turn vote, vote for somebody. Do you admit it that you did that? Or uh, do you just deny that everybody I, I, was, couldn't have been me? I didn't do it. You have to you have to tread kind of carefully here because you don't want people to like brand you as a liar, but you also don't need you don't need that kind of aggro in your life either. I think your best move is to just be like just kind of play dumb. Mm. Like say I I don't know, it wasn't me and then change the subject, which is kind of <laughs> How's the, the weather Andrea today? And Pretty attack. hot. <laughs> yeah, they kind of the Andrea and Melena tactic where they're like you'll find out on TV. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I think people wanted to be forthright and honest about it and like try to make an excuse for themselves. But it's also like it's a vote. It's different from you have to take credit for the U-turn all on your own. It's like we were just voting for someone. You know, it's not necessarily my vote that was the fifth vote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you could respond uh, in a nicer way, but basically with the attitude of like, what does it matter? (laughs) You know, like, are you going to look at us any differently? Be very nihilistic. Yeah. And if and if so, it, there's a chance you might not have an opportunity to really do anything about yeah, it. You yeah. can't you can't you turn five teams. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, you don't help us on a future task because of it. And that's fine. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, we're like, going to anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it is sort of. Yeah. To your point, Jess, like you're not the only one in the doghouse here. It's not one team. You turning another team. This is five teams doing so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally think you should be cards up about it just because I see very little consequence behind it. Or like, depending on how much collusion, I think maybe the play here is to say we voted for you because we thought everybody else was voting for Chelsea and Robin and we didn't want to have to take credit for have, voting for the person to be U-turned. Did, do you think do you think that it should have been a double U-turn? Because this was what happened in season 31, right? Is that it was actually the top two teams that received votes were U-turned. Do you I mean again it ended up working out well for Steve and Annalie and probably would have screwed Robin and Chelsea, but do you think you would give that team like a more of a fair shake by having someone join them? You know, I like the double U-turn a little bit better than the single U-turn, at least when there's this many teams left. But it's also it's also the case where I don't know how much it adds at this point. Mm. I think we're trying to start beef. And, you know, if we if we do both of the teams, it's like everybody wins a prize <laughs> except for the two teams that get you turned. All right. Well, let's talk through some of the tasks uh, that we saw in this episode. Uh, after a quick visit to the shoe store, uh, we had to go to India's most Instagrammed building, the Hawa Mahal. What is the U.S.'s most Instagrammed building? I think it's the Apple store on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> That's what I've heard. It's like one of the most photographed structures in New York City. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's our that's our own personal how I'm a hall. Right. Or like a, uh, the the White House, maybe. I'm not sure. Hmm. A lot, a lot I, of Instagram on January yeah. 6th. Yeah. But. I thought it was Bucky's. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this like shoe store stop because we see several teams like get a little bit lost. They're they're looking for Nagra shoe store number 32, which I guess there's like 31 other ones. I think it's actually the street number, but it, there seems to be a little bit of a famous original raise situation here oh yeah. where there's several Nagra shoe stores and they get dropped off the one at the wrong one. But it feels like the clue said, go to the shoe store across from the hollow Mahal. If I see that, I'm like, I know Mahal is palace. Yeah. This is probably a landmark. Why don't I just ask the driver to take me to the giant ass palace? That's <laughs> probably the one thing they know how to get to if they know how to get to one thing. I I'm, I'm I'm obsessed with this. It's like, yes, please go to the Burger King across from the Grand Canyon. Like, why are we going to this mundane place that's corollary to the actual place that we're using? Also, Mike, did Annalie at one point as she was exiting the shoe store, running to the Hawa Mahal, uh, say, this is ass? <laughs> I mean, my ass. <laughs> Chill with that penner quality mm-hmm. to yeah. her. Well, I, mean, I thought you were saying it like in a uh, Big Brother Turner sort of way. This is mm, ass. Okay. 
yeah, instead of like a mega bussin or mega rickshaw in, mm-hmm. in this, like, I did like her also complaining that there are too many shoes. There's like, there are two shirts all around here. I mean, people do walk a lot, I suppose, in India. It's all about pedestrians and traffic. So I guess shoes are a hot commodity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So once the teams were at the Hawa Mahal, they needed to use a telescoping monocular. <laughs> Isn't it just called a telescope? <laughs> There's. I've heard the words telescoping monocular more times in the last two hours than I have in my entire life up to this point. I my favorite thing in the episode were the the teams that like held the telescoping monocular backwards that were like looking in the room. (laughs) Why is everything so tiny? (laughs) And uh, yeah, some people had problems with focusing it, but ultimately uh, they were able to get it. They had to get the address to head on over to go visit our friends over at Pink City Rickshaw. Uh, This is a great moment to take a uh, beat to say that this episode. Rob's podcast is sponsored by Pink City Rickshaw. Need to get somewhere in the Pink City? Pink City Rickshaw is for you. Our women drivers are going to be able to mostly get you where you need to go in our fleet of electric vehicles that are parked in not so hot situations. So if you need a place to get. Was, was this a good advertisement for Pink City Rickshaw? No! <laughs> there's like, a, like we hire all women. I'm right. all about okay. equity. This That's was a great. plot point on BoJack Horseman, by the mm-hmm. way. Yes, it was. Yes, with the, the female Uber, then the clown Ubers. Uh, but yeah, this, this strange thing of like, this is such a great thing in providing equity to the culture of India, but also the people we happen to hire may or may not get teams eliminated from the race mm-hmm. as a result of their lack of skills when it comes to driving (laughs) yeah some of them seem great some of them like knew exactly where they were going but uh in the case of robin and chelsea and liam and jeremy like mm, they were just gonna drive around aimlessly you know as much as i love having cabs back in the mix and having people get around like that i really hate it when it appears to be the cab driver's fault that somebody gets eliminated because this person did not ask to be on the amazing race. This person is just trying to do their job. And I want to, I try to have some empathy for what if you just came into work one day and the amazing race descended upon you and made you do your job in front of them? (laughs) Like, would you do it perfectly? Would you mess up? Especially when they're like, oh, you better do your job right. Or I'm going to lose that on a million dollars. Fast, 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 fast. Or I'll remember you for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will never come back to your city. And you'll I get work one in star. a very comparatively low stakes profession. Mm-hmm. But if I had someone like over my shoulder, like, build this web page, build this web page really fast. Come you. on. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna film you. Everybody's gonna, you know, yeah, you know, five million people are gonna watch you do it. And if you do it badly, it's going to be your fault. Somebody yeah. else doesn't get to be on TV anymore. And also, yeah, that they're gonna be giving you instructions not in your native language. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the thing is like, if we're talking about what happened to Liam and Jeremy and Robin and Chelsea, at least from the edited perspective, it seemed like it really did come down to the rickshaws. Yeah. It seems like both tasks they were able to like do. I know that Liam and Jeremy really struggled trying to find those places for the flowers, but I can't tell if that was on them or if that was on the driver. But yeah, it did seem like to Jess's point, we talk about old school throwbacks on this season. This is yet another one of some teams just get screwed by taxis, I guess, better in this leg than the final leg where we have seen teams get screwed out of a million dollars because of one bad cab driver yeah, or pilot. Jess, would you like to see some sort of like lower decks, amazing race episode that's completely <laughs> from the perspective of the people that are helping yeah. the teams with the tasks? I think the one I'd like to see was the one when they were in Panama and all the cab drivers were on like the same party line yes. talking to each other the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The collusion like, against Andy and Tommy. That's the webisode I want to see is like the conversations that these cab drivers had when the amazing race came to town and they all were giving each other directions on how to get where they were going. Except for like the one cab driver they weren't friends with. Apparently. <laughs> you know what? Okay. This is perfect. We need a taxi reboot and we need episodes <laughs> Where they're dealing with like cash cab and they're Didn't dealing Jimmy with Jimmy Fallon amazing- already reboot Taxi? Uh, yeah, listen, uh, it worked in 2004, maybe not so much, but 2024, mm-hmm. 20 years later, no. the IP's fresh again. <laughs> dust off Christopher Lloyd, 
DeVito's still going strong. Uh, you know, bring in somebody, maybe bring in like Sasha Baron Cohen to replace, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Tony Danz is out there. Tony Danz is out there. Uh, Mary Lou Henner. Mary Lou Henner. She's still around. <laughs> she's got an Oscar now. Like, bring them back together. Come yeah, on. they've been hit hard by the rideshare industry. You know, we got to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be really fun, actually. Hey, true story. There was a year when Christopher Lloyd was in Shakespeare in the Park. And the night I went, the entire rest of the cast of Taxi came to see him in the play he was in. And they were sitting like 10 feet from me. And it was a very huge fangirl moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're all friends with each other still. Honestly, I think that a Taxi reboot maybe has the most legs out of any old school sitcom reboot that has ever existed. I'd rather see that than Full House, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, are they doing another Full House? Well, they did one and it was terrible. Yeah. Okay. All right. Jess, are you saying that you are uh, going to be up for the Taxi Rewatch podcast? I talked to Josh Wiggler about that. I think the post-show recap schedule is pretty crammed right now. <laughs> like gridlock traffic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Okay. So that, that part, that parking thing where they're pushing the rickshaws around, yeah. there's a really addictive iPhone game that does that too. I was going to say, it's like the dentist office game where it's like, move the cars around to get the one thing out. I mean, it ended up being that brainy. I would say it seemed like the hardest part was just finding a marked rickshaw in the first place. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. And I guess the question is like, after the rickshaw moved, onto the street i guess did they just reset they put them everything all back? Over again? yeah <laughs> i don't know so otherwise like steven and Ali just cleared a really nice path for the other teams mm-hmm. yeah all right so the teams would head to the marsala spice shop or what would be a spicy uh, trip to the u-turn board or if uh i mean lena was very spicy or if you're liam and yeremy you just 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 get dropped off at like a random eatery mm-hmm. and all you're looking for is spices mm-hmm. well that's also the hazard of the cab driver sometimes you get a cab driver that's like oh you don't want to go to that place i got a better place for you the place <laughs> that the locals know i've seen that happen a bunch of times on amazing race where they're like are you sure that's the one you want i got one where you can get a better price yeah. or like my buddy owns this one why do you want spices aren't you from another country <laughs> yeah okay uh so that's where Steve and Natalie find out that they're U-turn. They go right to work on our detours, bundles and bricks, uh, which I thought that bundles and bricks were kind of similar tasks. Uh, Jess, I feel like that typically we get a task that, okay, this one is more strength and this one is like going to test something else. But I felt like these were kind of both strength tasks. Yeah, I have a I have in my notes in all caps, this is the same exact detour. <laughs> and there are gradations. I think with the bundles, there was like you had to tie it correctly and you had to go to different two different places, but you could use the rickshaw where the bricks, it was like you had fewer stops to make and it was maybe less fiddly to get it loaded onto the thing, but you also had to get it there yourself. Mm-hmm, right. And it looked like the bricks was the physical one and the bundles might have been the more cerebral one. So I don't know. It seems like, you know, Anna Lee, Morgan, Lena all struggled hauling those flowers. And I guess it shows like the mass, the concept of it, that one flower weighs basically nothing but you take hundreds of flowers i guess put them in a little sack like a bindle and apparently it weighs a ton Mm -hmm. weighs 60 pounds according to liam and yeremy Mm -hmm. yeah so all right the teams were going to be uh struggling through all of that uh we saw that steve and annalee they seemed like that they had like maybe the easiest time of getting through uh, the bundles uh but then ultimately they have to go back Yeah. And I think it's a different mental calculus. It's like you already know you have to go back. You know that's in front of you. I think that's different than if you power through the task and you get to the end of the task and then you have to go do another task that you didn't plan for. Mm -hmm. I think it's easier on them. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're kind of economizing. And honestly, like they had such a lead on the back half of the teams that it was like they were already done before some of the teams even got to the detour and that's that was Corey's plan he wanted them yep. caught up yeah i mean that's the thing is that i didn't even realize the context of things i will say yeah this episode was a little tough to keep track of sometimes with like especially morgan and lena were like how the hell are they already in fifth place mm-hmm. uh, and it just seems like because other teams were getting lost and they I guess we're just making beelines for what to do. But yeah, Steve and Lee arrived at the other side of the detour at the same time as Robin, Corey, and Joel and Garrett and Todd and Ashley. They just sort of forgot that that one crucial detail. I guess I could see some like subtle differences between the two detours where it does seem like people struggled more navigating with the flowers because there were two stops and one of them was 
just stuck in the middle of traffic. Yeah, I got to talk about this temple, this quote unquote temple inside a bus kiosk. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you went to like, OK, go to Port Authority and give these flowers to a busker. Like, I mean, I think there's a chapel inside of Port Authority. I think it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're looking for a Starbucks, but there's like the one that you're going to is like in a supermarket. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like in a Target. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Where is this Starbucks? I, I, and I guess while the bricks was more physical, I guess the more dangerous component was apparently heat exposure. As we nearly got beard mode cowboy here, mm-hmm. and they already got their spices, they already got their salt and pepper. He didn't even need to drink the water; he just needed to hold the water. The water was magical. <laughs> yes, the fountain of youth was found in this episode. Um, so the teams then, I guess, I think maybe with as teams are falling off and we have less teams, I wonder if we are going to start to see more like, okay, go, go here, go to this route marker, go to this route marker to try to fill up the 90 minutes of airtime that they were producing in this uh, season. So we had where, okay, go to the textile store, go to Vivek enterprises, I believe was where they had to go. And then they had to go pick up a textile to then take to another place where they needed to stamp it. Yeah, and I, I really did like that, that it wasn't just the umpteenth, hey, deliver this thing, that they were actually picking up the fabric that would be used in the roadblock. I think that was a really nice pairing. And of course, I did think, okay, in their frenzied state, will one team forget their bolt of fabric? But no, everyone had their heads on straight. They drank enough water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The stamping uh, challenge. Uh, first off, like, I thought we're on CBS. What the hell are we doing with uh, making all these peacocks? <laughs> Could well, they were be- ca- they're stamping a giant X on the yes, peacock. Is that what it is? Like, uh, yeah, that should, that should be Paramount the- Plus and put the that X be- on peacock. That should be the new logo for CBS. Like, it should just be an peacock. X through a peacock with an X on I mean, it. Or could this be a foreshadowing? Is there a possible future corporate merger on the horizon mm-hmm. that was spelled out the entire time? Yeah, Paramount Plus cock. <laughs> I'm signing up for that. <laughs> I know you are, Mike. I know you are. I'm the. That's where my documentary is being hosted, only on Paramount Plus. And <laughs> <laughs> now it's not Paramount. <laughs> Paramount Plus with cock. That, that that's that they were the way that they have showtime. No, the cock has plenty of width. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay. All right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. I, it, that, was that was my fault. it was a fun ride. It was. It was. It's been an honor podcasting with you both. <laughs> If this is the last episode. Good night, folks. <laughs> we're we're getting you turned after that. <laughs> What's the reason? Well, you did make that that peacock joke. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're getting canceled and FCC, sued. Yeah. The FCC doesn't give a crap about podcasts. Um I, I just want to go on record as saying if what I don't know what they did with this fabric after they were done with it, but if they want to make shirts out of it and sell them on the you know, Paramount Plus Cox store. Mm-hmm. I will buy like a shirt full of X'd out peacocks. I think that's pretty fly. Yeah. Okay. So that's where it was a fun task. I like the guy, the, the, the guy coming in with the stamper. Uh, like, yeah. I, I loved him being extra judgy with Todd where he like stamps out a few. And then he goes back and Todd's like, okay, this is it. And he just goes to stamp the rest of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so th- that ends up being fun. And then uh, we could talk through uh, how all of the teams did. But anything else about the tasks for this episode? Um, I thought, I think, Rob, I think your wife as an avid cricketer would probably have done very well on this, on this stamping many task. Layers. Because, yes, many layers. I think there's a lot of that, especially when you're working with the vinyl on the cricket mm-hmm. and you're trying to do two different colors, you have to line it up exactly right. Oh, uh, okay. I'm stupid. I thought I was like, what is the Colpin playing cricket? Is that <laughs> yes. down in Raleigh? Yeah. Now, cricket is a machine that mm-hmm. cuts shapes. She needs a gin and tonic. And, and a lot of times you cut it out these shapes with sticky vinyl and you put them on water bottles mm-hmm. and stuff and yeah. or you I, make shirts. I'm honestly surprised that Steve was the only one that struggled with the order of the colors again i give a lot of kudos to these teams especially given just like the conditions they were working under for them to like get through the entire thing where it seemed like steve was the only one that had an issue with okay what's the order of the color set for everyone else it was just like doing it a bit more sloppily and (laughs) And, i mean lena's lena's uh peacock murder scene could be another that was uh, very funny sigil for cbs yeah and also that i think a little confusing that there was what blue and light blue Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, unfortunately for the Tommy Sheehans of the world, if you're slightly colorblind, you're going to yeah. have a bad time. I do wonder, maybe 
NBC should have co-opted Lena's bloody peacock for like the Halloween. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was yeah, Halloween week. That would have been perfect. They are literally calling that Peacocktober. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Let's talk about how all the teams did on this episode of the race. And uh, we had a new first place uh, team to arrive. Uh, Let's talk about Greg and John here in this episode. Here we go. And uh, this is what they were sort of at the back of the pack for a while. But now they have their peacocking. Yeah, I think it's very comparable to in these other types of social strategy games we see where like the person out in front is quote unquote taken out. And then like another person comes into power. That's what we saw with Greg and John. They were nervous early on. Cause they're like, they might just take aim at the top two teams, seeing us as the biggest threats, but Greg and John, as well as Robin Corey were able to get by, by there being bigger targets that despite the fact they have been one of the most consistent competitors in the race, they were not necessarily seen. I mean, it was interesting to like get into people's thoughts during that brief voting uh, the deliberation period where like Robin and Chelsea are saying, oh, we were thinking of going for Greg and John, but they're just so friendly. We don't want to piss off their mother. Uh, so it <laughs> seems like Greg and John are like really endearing themselves to mm-hmm. people as well as to us. And yeah, they keep on succeeding. They had dips in Vietnam, but since then I feel like they really have recovered in India to the point that they've gotten their first first place. Yeah, I feel like this was a pretty quiet uh, first place finish for uh, Greg and John. I feel like um, they end up taking the bricks task, but uh, I don't remember them having any particularly uh, big moments in the episode. Yeah, they're not getting they're not getting the quote unquote Mooner's edit here. Yeah, they did get like this was not a surprise that they came in first on this leg because they set it up top like, oh, we have a shot at first and then they didn't make any mistakes. So that was not a surprise, but I haven't seen them getting into a lot of their thoughts on like, what does it mean to win? Right. How would they feel about it if they won? You know, how do they think this bodes for their chances of winning the whole thing? We've gotten other teams talking about that a lot more. Yeah. Or even like their personal background. Like they don't right. even necessarily be Liam and Jeremy in terms of the way they get on with each other. But like, it's interesting. And, and maybe with fewer teams, you know, the Liam and Jeremy stuff obviously was very front loaded given their you know, perspective and journey on the race. So maybe we'll get more here. One set of brothers mm-hmm. will replace another one. I will say these two are so lovably nerdy. I'm pretty sure Greg, I think, said, oh, my glob when they approach the roadblock, <laughs> which is, I believe, if that's correct, a reference to Lumpy Space Princess on Adventure Time, which just makes me so, so happy. Mm-hmm. Is that the first Adventure Time reference on The Amazing Race? I mean, that's a very niche thing, but... Yes, I think by default, considering that I can't imagine anybody else reference Adventure Time characters. I mean, I'm going to say, no, it's Nickelodeon that's under CBS Viacom. Cartoon Network's under Max. Mm-hmm. So uh, it right. would not be. It's crossing the streams a bit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Never Adventure Time's huge in our household. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, now, just in the case for Greg and John, uh, their U-turn of Steve and Annalie uh, probably does result in them getting first place on this trip. Do you like mm-hmm. that a little bit more for them uh, putting a U-turn on Steve and Annalie? I mean, honestly, if this was a regular U-turn and they were making that choice based on the fact that they were neck and neck with Steve and Annalie, I like that a lot. Like if you're not actively trying to get somebody out, but you see that you have a real shot at first place, I think that's that's absolutely the move. Mm -hmm. But I think, again, you have to you can't discount the fact that no one person acts alone in manifesting this U-turn yes. for Steve and Annalie. I think for them, it's the right choice. Um, it results in, you know, we don't want to be too results oriented here, but it did end up with them taking the win and they had to know that that was probably their best shot at winning. Okay. Let's talk about team. Oh, actually, uh, Greg and John also win a trip to Phil's uh, native land, New Zealand. Do you think that means like they're going to go stay with his parents? 
I, I, it might, it doesn't not mean that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many Expedia points it costs. I think they were getting like key cash, I think was something, which is that anything like Cole's cash, Mike? (laughs) Yeah, it's just Kiwi cash, Mm -hmm. I believe. They dropped the Wii. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe Greg and John could. I feel like Phil's dad would have loved the bundles task, right? Considering how much of a plant enthusiast Mm -hmm. he is. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I felt like the the entire detour had a very tough as nails vibe to it. <laughs> I mean, they picked we're, up gravel and bricks. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping they'd get to they'd have to decide which one they wanted to pick up first. Mm-hmm. What about the, oh, if only the spec mix could have been yeah. brought in? All right. Does anybody know what this is? Yes, uh, Phil, it's a telescoping monocular. <laughs> yes, very good. Good job, Sailor Rob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Then team number two, it's Rob and Corey. And uh, Rob and Corey, another strong leg for these guys. Yeah, they had their bounce back from Corey just like really, uh, you know, bringing their team down. But it shows that. I think them and Greg and John are some of the most like solid competitors in the entire race. Like they really haven't made any big mistakes outside of Corey performing poorly in one roadblock. And even so, Rob has this mentality that he talked about even in this leg when he was doing the stamps of like, I just got to remain positive for the people that are watching at home. So, yeah, I was not surprised in the least. I was surprised by their name being mentioned a bit in the deliberation that there are teams that are noticing that as well. If we do right. have another U-turn coming up in the final six, final five, I would not be surprised if they're considered more heavily. Yeah, Todd and Ashley, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Todd they, and Ashley, we're, we're talking about them. Yeah, and I would suspect that there was probably a bit of producer prompting while they were doing this whole thing where the producers just had them describe, every team had to describe whether or not they would re- U-turn every other yeah. team. Uh, it's, a, it's the old, the old school is, big brother non-live eviction of like, talk through why you want to keep one of the right, nominees. Right, and you know, they do that on Survivor all the time yeah. too. But this is a case of the editing being very telling. Like these guys have more of a winner's edit than a John and Greg because sure. you have Rob constantly doing it for the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greg and John don't have kids to do it yeah. for. And it's hard to tell if this is a winner's edit or it's just such a great story, Rob and Corey. Yeah, right. And that's so it, like, how do you not show a ton of them if they're competing on your show? So I don't read as much into that they're the winners uh, just because I think that you have to show them because it's uh, mm-hmm. so compelling. I put shorter odds on them than John and Greg. For sure. Though. Yeah. And I would say also good on them for honestly getting through. It's small, but like the binoculars task, I think would be telescoping monocular, Mike. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Especially for Rob, who like has that is a sailor. Yeah. Like anyone knows what this is. (laughs) Mike Bloom doesn't. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But I, I do think that it could have been something that would have led to a bit of a communication breakdown because obviously like you want if you're the, the binoculars person, you want to be looking in it the entire time and reading it out. That is tough when one of the, uh, the the members of the team cannot hear, but like Rob was able to speak the letters out and Corey was able to write it down. It also seemed like, I don't know, like when Blue was reading that message that was scattered about zombie week, like I, I didn't understand what it was initially. I thought they were just reading random text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, boots down. Okay. All right. Then. Kitty kitty purr <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, Corey was one of the teams to tell Anna Lee, like, yeah, we you turned you. Yeah, I think he was trying to lighten the mood there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he was hoping that he could just toss it out there and then they could move on. But it seemed like there were too many other teams there that we were going to keep talking about it. I think if it had just been him, he probably could have played that a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about our third place team. They are back in good health. It's Joel and Garrett. They love India. They get so many compliments on their facial hair from all the people. Hey, nice mustache. And he's like, please, my partner's dying. Give us water. (laughs) Can I just say I kind of low-key want these guys to win? Mm -hmm. They're my favorite team. Yeah, the colorful, the colorful quasi-redneck team that uh, with the eccentric facial hair has never won Amazing Race. And I think I think their time is coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I really adore them. They just have like such fun spirits where like they do get into some dramatic stuff, but like they are so funny, even when they're like losing to Robin Corey and they're basically saying like, yeah, we're too fat. Like we mm-hmm. cut away this this rickshaw <laughs> more than Robin Corey do. And so that's why we came in third place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're kind of up for anything. And I like that about them. Yeah, I also like that. There's probably a lot of confusion 
going on uh, that it seems like there's almost a third member of the team where they they I believe Joel refers to Garrett as Smythe, which I think is Garrett's last name. It but is. you would have no idea if that was the case. Mm-hmm. It's a real Jackson Mickey situation. <laughs> a real Mickey situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are getting deep into the weeds. Like I. I, I cannot imagine what somebody who is just tuning into us for the first time this season. Hi. Like half the time we are speaking. If you're just tuning in, in uh, this is The Amazing Race 35 episode six recap. Uh, Stu makes the pizza <laughs> that we eat after every Stu episode. Stu makes the spec mix. <laughs> the, giant, the giant fetid pizza pile. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joel and Garrett, now uh, they chose the bricks task and they were really struggling. What they were crashing into a lot of people. Yeah, well, Joel realized very quickly that the bike doesn't have brakes. And that was and that was, I think, the issue is that I a lot of teams I think figure like, okay, we can just ride the bike. It's a lot tougher to do when you're in like so much chaotic bumper to bumper traffic with a brakeless bike that you saw the teams pretty much get relegated to pushing the bike mm. unless there was like open street in front of them. But I can understand that like they have been waiting for a task that requires riding a bike. I'm sure when they were in Vietnam, they're like, please give us the flow task. We need to ride the basket bikes. And they never got to do that. Yeah. Is, is this the flow task or have we rechristened it the Floyd task? Uh, well, Floyd uh, went the way of Joel in this episode. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have the refreshing bottle of no. water to save him. They're though. struggling. They're thirsty. They're tired. They're going to puke. They need water. And they get this cold bottle of water. And it was restorative. Uh, mm-hmm. It was great. But, I mean, it's interesting. This is something that we don't often talk about on The Amazing Race. But we talk about like the money that is given to them. It most always gets spent on transportation. But also, you have to use it to like buy your own food. And we see this on occasion. Like, I remember one secret scene in The Amazing Race 31 where, like, the Afghanimals bought everyone Wendy's or something in the airport to try to make good with them. But, yeah, they had to actually stop down in the detour to, like, go to a stand on the side of the road and buy bottles of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do the teams get fed a meal? Like, um, when... At the pit stops, the pit stop. they do. Yeah. Okay. But otherwise, yeah. you have to, like, subsist on granola bars or just pure adrenaline for the yeah. entire leg. Mm-hmm. And we've had teams that, like, pack their own food. Yeah. You're allowed to bring food from home. Bring food but, from home? Like, power yeah, bars like, and stuff? Yeah, like cliff bars. You There's can't, a like, team. okay, like, when I was at the uh, <laughs> residence inn in Brea, like, uh, be putting, like, uh, apples and oh, yogurt cups in my pockets. Uh, you can, and you absolutely, and they absolutely do. Okay. I would you I would U-turn a team if they, like, brought egg salad on a plane <laughs> <laughs> well they're not on the charter plane anymore mike yeah exactly like they just be doing the service to the entire community let alone the other team yes yeah, now you're like you're not leaving the place better than when you found it mm-hmm. so okay all right uh so joel and garrett they bounce back uh from that they complete their deliveries and then uh they uh admit that who they u-turned uh and then they get through the stamping pretty good yeah, it was a pretty low-key week for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, it would get a little more dramatic with Morgan and Lena. A spicy uh, episode for Morgan and Lena, although it was a return to form where they end up back in the top half of the pack. Yeah, F-O-U-R-M, because they finished back in team number four, which was the the same place I believe they finished in in the first two legs. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. I know we were calling them like our bottom G dot Odysseys mm-hmm. for the the recent legs of the race. But this goes to show like even when they are by far the most bickering team on the race, they can still succeed in spite of that. And it doesn't feel toxic. To me, maybe it's because they're not necessarily in a romantic relationship like we've seen with, for example, the aforementioned Jonathan Baker. But I do love how much they snipe at each other between, you know, uh, Lena, for some reason, like insisting that Morgan not look at the demonstration about how to tie the bundles versus them arguing back and forth in confessional as to who had the harder time carrying the flowers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who was a Hulk and who was not a Hulk? Whose flowers were heavier. Yeah. I think it's I think it's hilarious that the spicier they get, it seems like the better they do. Yeah, they got in probably the biggest fight we've seen between the teams uh, so far of this uh, season of The Amazing Race. 
Yeah, I also love that Lena is very much graphic design is my passion, right? Because wasn't she the one during the vinyl detour that was like, I hung up the vinyl in my office by myself. And then she's like, I took printmaking. Did she go, go to SVA or something? I know she lives in New York City, but apparently like she's all about these crafty things. Hey, don't knock SVA. Mm-hmm. No, never. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great live shows there. Okay. Then Morgan and Lena, they're team number four. Uh, Let's talk about uh, Todd and Ashley. I guess a quiet week for Todd and Ashley. Surprisingly so. I mean, I guess we get a little bit as to the fact that perhaps they are second to Morgan and Lena in terms of the teams left that argue with one another, but like they understand each other. That's almost their way of communicating. Ashley gave some great face when Todd had to be the passenger seat driver to try to help out their rickshaw driver. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, as they said, Five is apparently their lucky number. This is now their fourth, fifth place finish in six legs. So yeah. that's uh, they're they're consistent performers. Well, just not as like top tier as Greg and John and Robin Corey. I had in my notes that did Todd say that he makes Ashley irritable, or did Ashley say that Todd makes her irritable? I think the latter seems more accurate, mm-hmm. but it, it does seem like. Todd is he's like a golden retriever like he's constantly in a great mood and mm-hmm. he's so positive mm-hmm. yeah. this is one I do want to let into my house unlike Caleb <laughs> right okay um, so yeah they ended up uh, you know ultimately Todd struggled at first but finally got it and now our team number five uh, let's talk about Andrea and Milena and they had another fun episode <laughs> Love them. Yeah. I mean, are we, are we officially going to call them team out of towners? Because I love that that's now their phrase. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> they just feel like the people move out of the way if you just say out of towners. It's really effective. Yeah. I have to give them credit. It's it's working for them. Um, we are getting a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're getting a lot of them in a way that says to me they're going to be one of those teams. Like we do have. We do have teams like this from time to time where it's like they're not the best racers, but they're still here every they're funny. Week. And, yeah. yeah. And they make it they, they're entertaining. They're funny. But we're also getting like kind of beats about, uh, you know, they being godmothers to each other's kids. And then mm-hmm. this week, this week, we learn about Milena's relationship and how Andrea helped oh her God. pick herself up. And I think. This bodes well for them. I see them going pretty far. Like, I don't think they're going out next week. No, <laughs> I, I, I do. I do like uh, Milena getting her hair braided like Andrea. So now they both rock the same hairstyle as well. Mm-hmm. It like t- took me by surprise a little bit, but especially letting your hair down in this like super hot environment could not be me. <laughs> Yeah. So there was a couple of funny moments between the two of them also where uh, at one point they said that their rickshaw driver was slow as hell. <laughs> that was I like that they I liked how they talked about they were well rested because Andrea didn't snore. <laughs> yeah. There was Andrea's the point not a Jax Taylor. When they were at the bundles challenge and Liam and Jeremy were there and they were like, Hey, hey, how, how do you tie the things? Can you tell and, and, and they're just like crisscross, crisscross. <laughs> and they just ran <laughs> out of there. I think my favorite though was the blink and you miss it freeze frame moment yes, of them passing they, by Steve and Anneli, where they're just like yes. in the corner of not the slow frame. as hell and, and, anymore. <laughs> Yeah, and then the the camera lights up on their little their spot in the corner, like yeah. they're hitting immunity idol. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. So good for them, Andrea Milena. They're team number six for uh, this week. Then we get to all right, Steve and Annalie. They're in seventh this week. They're not going to stay in seventh. No, no. Uh, and I mean, listen, was it great that they misunderstood the instructions and started to do the other half of the detour before finishing the other half? No. But again, one advantage of them being, you know, so far ahead of the other teams to start. I think they were like an hour ahead of Greg and John, if my times were right, uh, to start the leg that like they had plenty of room to be able to navigate. It was clear that Robin and Chelsea didn't see anyone all day and so like they were very clearly ahead of them they only fell into seventh place because uh a steve was just really not getting the stamps probably the most out of any person that was there besides maybe robin and then they got past the last second in the rickshaw so i do think this is a bit of a blip now we'll see next week seems like we're getting into a a bit of feistiness between the two of them i'm glad they were able to jump away from like the 
oh my god we didn't get the receipts that's it we're done and they realize like oh wait a minute there are like three to four teams still behind us we're definitely fine yeah mm-hmm. they didn't even bother doing a cut to commercial on that one because we all knew how absurd it was mm-hmm. yeah I, they're doing great i really feel like that they have a ton of upside to win the season i i really enjoy annalee steve is is doing fine. He got through the stamps. <laughs> there. You know, yeah. he had and he Steve. had to do a uh, you know a, a roadblock in this episode. They got through it, so I feel like they're in really good shape. And I would be very shocked if they're not like top three again next week. And good on Annalie. If you notice, she was the one that was pedaling the bike. And there was at one point where Steve was in the bed <laughs> of the truck that they were doing. So like, she's got powerful legs, man. Yeah. I mean, is Annalie one of the best all around racers we've ever had? Put That's her on the Joe challenge, wanna- CBS. Well, that's what uh, I was actually got a text from Maggie Morgan about that, that like she really thinks that Annalie would be fantastic on the Challenge USA, which I don't disagree. I don't think so either. And Joe and Ian really talked up Annalie in my interview with them mm-hmm. last week. Like he felt they she was really underestimated. She sort of has that like uh, commando Barbie type of thing where it's like <laughs> you look at her and you think like pageant princess, but she's like capable of doing so much stuff in terms of skill. OK. All right. There's Steve and Annalie. All right. Robin and Chelsea. It was a close call for Robin and Chelsea this week. They're, they might be my second favorite team. They are so freaking <laughs> funny. Uh, Chelsea talking about like, I feel like when I'm down, she's able to pick me up. And when she's down, I'm able to shut up enough for her to sort through things. Like Chelsea is one of the most distinct personalities we have on this race because she is as dry as Joel's mouth when he was doing that detour. And I adore them so much when they ask the the guy at the binoculars task like can you help us uh can you t- guy come with us to the task and he's like no They're like oh boo <laughs> yeah um they had a line in this episode too about how that uh their spouses uh pick them because they're they can carry a barbecue up the stairs do i have that right <laughs> i mean isn't that how everybody picks their spouse <laughs> Must have missed why that is, episode of Bridget Why does Chain. the barbecue need to be up so many stairs? I live in an elevator building mm-hmm. for this exact reason. Oh, so it's in, a, in an apartment like on the balcony. But also, well, yeah, why are you putting like, I must grill on my sixth floor walk up, please. <laughs> yeah, maybe they have like a deck that's like the needs to go up the stairs. Maybe they're going to a tailgate. Yeah, they, they didn't say what kind of grill. If it's a hibachi, I can carry that yeah. up the stairs. I can say my <laughs> wife has never carried a barbecue up a flight of stairs. Yeah, that's the that's the twist. It's a George Foreman grill, so it's <laughs> actually not that impressive. <laughs> yeah, um, got handles. Do we think they bounce back, or do they settle back into? Could be because that, with all due respect to Robin and Chelsea, who have been very fun, that the, the they have they do have a first place finish, but it was kind of like on a little bit of a fluky all the teams were doing the needle in a haystack challenge they found it first so you could read that as they got lucky on the leg that they did compete in and uh, get in first place i think yeah. you could also say they haven't had great luck otherwise mm-hmm. yeah like, i mean the the reason why correct me if i'm wrong so they fell so far into the back of the pack again last time because I know there was some struggles with the roadblock with the pot balancing and then they had troubles with the detour as well. They mm-hmm. were the, one of the big picture teams and that just was like right. a time sink for basically every team that was there. And then this like again, I will say it didn't seem like they really did anything wrong Personally, Robin maybe did struggle initially. She got like no uh, peacocks right on the very first go. Also, it was cool, though, to see like uh, her connect with her spirit animal in a way. Worked out better for her than Rupert with the elephants. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Their finishes in this uh, season are 11, 11, 5, 1, 7, 8. So I feel like the the one is like a little bit of the outlier, but I do hope that they can turn things around and get back uh, closer to the top of the pack. I mean, I love it when a back of the pack team gets one random first place finish Mm -hmm. because that's so much better than like one team bogarting all of the first places. That's arguably what the amazing race should be. And perhaps all competitive reality TV, considering a lot of modern day Big Brother discourse is like arguably if the show is well structured and well cast, any team cast should be able to win a leg at any point in time. Yes. All right. Then finally, Liam and Jeremy, uh, they got the bad rickshaw. I mean, yep. ultimately, it, it didn't seem like that they like fumbled any of the tasks in this episode. No, this this actually I know there was a lot more variance in leg six than it was in leg two, but it kind of did remind me of leg two in that like 
We're staying in the same city. As Greg and John point out, we are changing landscapes slightly, but outside of the U-turn, there really wasn't a lot of stuff for like Liam and Jeremy to leapfrog a bunch of teens and jump to the front of the pack. So like, if you looked at the structure ahead of time, I probably would have pointed at Robin and Chelsea or Liam and Jeremy mm-hmm. as one of the teams that would be eliminated just because A, there wasn't really a chance for them to catch up to the main pack and B, yes, they happened to have some difficulty with their drivers that had them just fall into dead last once again. Yeah, even like the working on the stamp at the end, we didn't really even see like how that was going for them, whether they did it quickly or whether it was a struggle for them because they basically had been, we had known that they were eliminated by that point in time. We did hear a little bit about their uh, relationship also in this episode. Yeah, I, I was I was actually surprised that like the tone it was coming across with, I was waiting for the elimination music to come in, which didn't for a while. And so I thought, are we going to do another keep on racing? That would be weird because, mm-hmm. A, we're, we know we're going to another country. But the way it was shot and edited, it felt very different to me than the other eliminations we've had. It was interesting to me because when we got that character beat from them earlier, it felt like they were wrapping things up for them Mm -hmm. like it felt like they're like we got what we came for we have resolved everything that we came on the race to resolve it felt like their swan song before we even got to the point where they were checking in last and it was also one of those afterthought things where all the excitement happened in the first eight teams like who was going to finish where and then it was almost like oh yeah p.s liam and yeremy were way back there and here's what happened to them okay all right Anything else to say about episode six of The Amazing Race? I mean, it was solid, I guess. Yeah. I, I didn't need 90 minutes of this one. <laughs> oh, really? I actually enjoyed this episode. Maybe it's because we got, again, those like couple of extra tasks. I did not feel the time on this one as much as I did the first couple legs. I'll continue to say that I do feel like once we hit Vietnam, I think we really started to, to, you know, punch down on the gas. We were maybe going a bit slow, like Liam and Jeremy's driver for the first couple of legs. But I do feel like there was some fun brought in with the U-turn vote. Could it have been done better? Absolutely. But if it only serves just to create like intra-team drama moving Mm -hmm. forward, then I think this was a rather innocuous way to do it. And I'm very excited for next week because for the first time this season, we are going to Europe. And for the first time this season, we are doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-driving. Yeah. I don't know if, if, you know, this is like a hot take or anything, uh, but I feel like that 90 minute Amazing Race episodes, especially when we're going to spend two episodes in the same place. Like, I feel like I'm really enjoying the 90 minute survivor episodes but i feel like that the amazing race uh 90 minute episodes i don't necessarily feel like oh my god we know these teams like so much better the 90 minutes is making like a really big difference like i think it's been nice at times to have but overall i have really haven't noticed a big change between 90 minute and 60 minute episodes of the amazing race it tends not to feel like we're getting too much of it like maybe this week I could have used a little less, but it also, I don't think, I don't think we're suffering, but I also don't think we're deepening our understanding of the goings on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not complaining about the 90 minutes. I'm just saying that I feel like where 90 minutes has truly been like a game changer. I feel like in terms of uh, the coverage of our, and my enjoyment of survivor 45, I don't think that, you know, the, the extra 30 minutes of these episodes is really changing things for me in amazing race 35. Well, that's the structure of the game, though. Like the amazing race, the only way you can really, I think, additionally, you know, enrich the, the the show in general is like add more tasks or maybe add some more personal moments with teams. Survivor, we have been complaining about like how much gets unseen on Survivor. You can't really say that about the amazing race because the amazing race, by and large, mm-hmm. are the tasks that we see on the screen. I, I so wish I, we got more times of them on the bus. Exactly. <laughs> I want to see uh, how much uh, I want the real time footage of Andrea not snoring through the night. So she and Melina <laughs> got so much rest. Yeah. OK, so here we are. Is this the halfway point for Amazing Race 35 also? I think so. I think we're going 12 legs. I think that we're on pace to do that if there's not another keep on racing mm-hmm. leg this season. OK. All right. Well, fun stuff. Uh, be on the lookout for an exit interview uh, with Liam and Jeremy. Uh, Mike, I know you will have one as well over on Parade.com. Mm-hmm. Of course, Jess, I know you have a lot of different podcasts uh, going on. What else is coming up for you? 
Um, well, we've kind of um, halfway rage quit Fear the Walking Dead over on Poster Recaps. <laughs> You're making me want to watch it more, Jess. Oh, Rob, like the point at which you gave up on the Walking Dead original, mm-hmm. like we're all kind of at that point And we said we can't put ourselves through this every week. So we're going to watch two episodes at once and do every other week. And mm-hmm. I think that's been better for everybody's mental health so far. So every other week, you can join us for the final season of Fear the Walking Dead. I guess I'm sick um, because when you say how bad it is, it makes me want to watch it more. If you were telling me like, oh, my God, it's the best show on television. I'd be like, eh, maybe I'll get around to it. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't seem hyped for Daryl Dixon, which was great. <laughs> but so that's, and I think we just know the way to get to Rob, right? Is mm-hmm. you just sell him the complete opposite quality of what it actually is. Yeah, this is reverse psychology. You're going to hate it so much. Yeah, this this, this smells terrible. Yeah. Smell this. Yeah, I'm like the kid that's like, uh, give me some of this Warheads candy. Let me see if I can handle it. I mean, I'm, I'm a hot sauce person mm-hmm. myself, so, you know, maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's why I'm still watching Fear the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. And anything else? Um, That's it for me right now. Okay. All right. Well, Jess, great job here today. Mike, what about for you? So, of course, you can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. As Rob mentioned, I will be talking tomorrow with Liam and Jeremy. Excited to hear from them. Again, I'll talk about this uh, as we did many times over the past couple of weeks, like, it's been really surprising to see, honestly, this type of team not do well on the Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. You know, they had that brief one leg where they came in sixth, but that was the highest they placed. Outside of that, it was eighth, eighth, dead last, sixth, eighth, and then ninth here. So it's a bit surprising. Again, I'll, I'll stay what we keep saying. If we had done some sort of preseason draft, I think Liam and Yeremy would have gone very high. They sort of had that Marcus and Michael quality to them of like, they were part of the military. They've traveled the world. And then when say like their their lack of connection from previous years contributed poorly to, you know, their progress on the race. Yeah. I just think it was them not necessarily doing well. And I don't begrudge them for it. So that's cool, though. Again, at a time where there's a lot of conversation in CBS reality about like, are certain games uh, too favored for young buff dudes to see a couple of them not do so well and buck that trend is interesting to see. But regardless, happy to talk with them. We'll be, of course, talking with uh, the most recently booted contestant from Survivor, as well as this week's evictee on Thursday's episode of Big Brother that, Rob, you will get to see live in Brea. I'll be talking with them on Friday. And then, of course, doing the B&B. Uh, this week, we are going to be having Peridium on the podcast, a Closet Amazing Race fan, Peridium. So maybe I'll ask him for his thoughts on this season. And then we had Jordan Kalish on yeah. last week. Actually, speaking of Warheads, we assigned candies to yeah. the previous. Yeah, was very fun on the B&B last season. So looking forward to having him back. And Jordan was great, too. Yeah. So if you want to check all that out again, add a Mike Bloom type on that as well as Cameo. OK. All right. Thank you so much for joining us here to talk amazing race here today. Check out everything else we're doing and subscribe to our podcast at robswebsitecom slash subscribe. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.